Hey, Wolfpack fans, it's Scott Wood here for another edition of Scott Wood One Man Wolfpack. Uh, we got a special guest today, Matt Carter from the Wolfpacker. Uh, they've been involved uh, with me for about as long as I can remember from the, the days I, I committed at, at NC State. We'll talk about JC a little bit, who's, who's doing much better. Um, and I, I messaged him the other day saying, uh, it, it seems like yesterday when I, when I had committed and I literally just gave him a call right when I committed, like, Hey man, I'm going to NC state. So, uh, you guys have kind of been intertwined throughout my, my whole process of, of NC state. So, so I appreciate that. So welcome Matt Carter. How you doing? I'm doing good. I can remember that phone call was at like 10 o'clock at night or something like that too. Wasn't it like 10, 11 o'clock? Yep, and uh, it was it was right after we finished the basketball game. Coach Tao came and watched me play, and I just looked at my parents. I'm like, you know, it, it feels right. And so we, at, at like 9.30, 10 o'clock, we're just making all the calls, letting everybody know that we had decided to play somewhere. But he told me the other day, he's like, yeah, I can remember it like it was yesterday. I was walking in my kitchen at, at, at 10 o'clock at night, wondering why this guy's calling me. Yeah. <laughs> you thought it was some probably random phone call. You're like, is he just wanting to chit-chat here? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, but so we, we got a good one today, so we're going to do a little bit, uh, I want to say more than what we have been doing on the podcast, but we, we got a lot of things we want to dive into. Obviously, the ACC tournament is going to be coming up. Uh, we're going to talk about some recruits coming in. Obviously, uh, Breon Pass is the one where I, the name that keeps popping up on my Twitter feed and everything about having some great games. Uh, just to keep the fans happy. We'll do some hypotheticals, you know, what, what is it going to take for NC state to get in the tournament? And then at the end, we're going to, we're going to dive into the uh, NC state women's basketball team who just won the ACC championship. So <clears throat> let's kind of get started here. What are your expectations or what are we feeling the expectations are for this NC state team going into the ACC tournament? I feel like it's kind of scary, right? Because you <laughs> You're like, you've been on a five-game winning streak. You have to acknowledge that maybe it wasn't the toughest five-game stretch, right? Yeah. But on the flip side of that, I went back and looked. They've only trailed by more than two points in one game. Yeah. And that was a three-point deficit to Wake Forest. So they've been playing really well, even maybe the competition hasn't been the best. And then so you're waiting for that. You, you, I mean, you've been around NC State long enough now. You're waiting for the shoe <laughs> to drop, right? And then you look yeah. at the market and you're like, hey, but we played Syracuse well. Yeah, we could beat them. And we just beat Virginia. And maybe there's a path. And and then you try to remind yourself, don't think like that. Because you, yeah. you yeah. know and, if you do that. And, and, so. and I will say the, the one thing is you, you kind of you kind of mentioned it is the, the one thing that's really scary. And I feel like it's just a typical NC state fan thing to do is five game win streak. You, you ain't heard that many times uh, five game win streak in the ACC. So kind of talk about that and what that has done for team morale. Cause I know I, I put out a tweet the other day. I was just saying, even during this streak, it was just the bench was going crazy. They were creating an atmosphere, which is something that, is very underrated, especially when there's no fans or very little fans in the stands. Now you have the bench kind of acting like that crowd and kind of pumping the noise to get these guys going a little bit. Kind of talk about that five-game streak and how you think it has kind of boosted the morale of the team and really got them going. Yeah, I think for two, the uh, freshmen in particular, because mm -hmm. I think they needed some success. I think Cam Hayes had kind of hit a little bit of a wall. I mean, you, you know as well as anybody in the ACC. Yeah. That first time going through it, 
you don't really know until you go through it, right? And, yeah. <laughs> you know, for Cam to get some success and, you know, you never want to see a guy get hurt like Thomas Allen did, but I think it kind of defined everybody and their roles and it gave them a formula and everybody knew what their role was going to be. He kind of tightened up that rotation to a seven-man rotation. Mm-hmm. And and as you mentioned, I think there was a lot of buy-in. I, you have to give Kevin Creech credit, too, because mm-hmm. when you lose to Duke, at, you know, at the way they lost to Duke, kind of demoralizing your four and eight in the ACC. We've seen teams in the ACC go the other way. Yeah. And, you know, they bought in. They believe. They know what their responsibilities are. The freshmen have tasted some success. And voila, you, you went five in a row. You kind of wish it would have been six in a row if you gotten a chance to play Virginia Tech. Yeah, so that, that, that'll, that'll kind of take me into my next question. So with that Virginia Tech game, you know, being canceled, do you think – I think obviously the, the short answer is yes, it somewhat hurts NC State because they needed that game. But did you ever hear any talk around – that they really wanted to try and schedule something, or was that just not a possibility? Yeah, from my understanding, they really did try to schedule something. Okay. They were non-conference opponents, and, you know, the, the main thing they got was, thank, uh, you know, thanks but no thanks. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, I feel like it just comes at the end of the year where a lot of teams, they're either playing well or not playing well, and some teams are probably like, dude, I just want to get my season over with. And then you got, you got some other ones like, dude, I'm on the bubble. I'm not trying to – risk a loss coming down to it so i feel like we're that that really fell at just a bad spot you know what really hurt too is when roy roy williams at unc scheduled marquette uh-huh and then lost to marquette yeah i think that scared a lot of teams i don't know that's just me thinking out loud but i bet that scared a lot of teams to say we're not going to add another game and jeopardize ourselves like unc did well we should we should have just called Marquette. I think that would have been a, they they would have been like, yeah, man, this is a good idea. We'll just go right yeah. right back to, to down down south and we'll we'll play a game and get us another try and get us another win. So that's that's the team we probably should have called. Yeah, possible. Yeah, so the quad three, but <laughs> yeah, I hear you. But uh, kind of on this five game win streak, I've I've been real critical of of Coach Keats and. Uh, sometimes I got to remind myself to calm down a little bit uh, just because of the situation with COVID and everything, but just kind of talk about what he's done different. Do you think in this five game winning streak? Cause there's a few things that I, I mean, once you go through years that I've really seen that he's kind of made some changes that have really turned this team around. You know, I, I think for one, he went tall mm-hmm. lineup. Yeah. Darion Sebron and DJ Funderburg in moving Jericho Hellum to the to the three. You know, now you got four guys six, seven, or taller. Yeah. On the court. Um, that's as before you were playing, you know, almost three guys in the starting lineup that were six two or shorter. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that was one, you know, the tightening up of the bench, which he kind of had to do. Yeah. Thomas Allen got hurt. Um you know, that was kind of another noticeable thing. I think the offense, you know, playing inside out. Yeah. With the post, feeding the post and kind of working from there. Uh, you know, it changed things up. You see, I, I don't know. You can correct me if I'm wrong. It feels like they better ball movement. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
you know, different kind of action off the screen versus, you know, just running a pick and roll at the top or the side and, and kind of going from there. So, and I think going bigger has helped them defensively as well. Yeah. And I, that, that's, that's been my most critical point of the whole season. I'm, <clears throat> obviously defensively, you're going to have some up and downs, but at the end of the day, you know, coach Keach is a defensive minded coach. He will get those things corrected. He will always have that kind of running smooth. So offensively was the, my biggest scare. It was just, it was a little bit of a lot of, well, there's a lot of pick and roll, uh, especially early on, which again, when you, you know, you have Devin Daniels out there, who's one of the best pick and roll players. It, it makes it really easy. And I think kind of when he went down, they tried it for a game, you know, maybe two games. And then he realized he's like, I don't have my best pick and roll player on the floor anymore. So now they've really gone, like you said, that in and out basketball. And even they still run, uh, you know, a, a good amount of pick and roll. But the, the main thing is they have movement. Even if they're running pick and roll, you still have three guys on the court. They're moving. If one guy's in the corner and one guy's in the wing, they're kind of interchanging. And just those little movements, it doesn't really get noticed by, you know, just people watching the game. But as a player, just, you know, them going from, corner to wing, wing to corner, that defense has to pay attention to them. That now has, that has now incorporated them into the play in some way. And we call it a tag or, I mean, a touch. There's different ways. So the guy that's in the corner, if the ball screen is on the other side, he's got to be the one that tags the big or helps on the big. But when you got those guys interchanging now, they have to interchange unless they just switch it. But if they interchange now, there's not really a tag guy there because they're trying to figure it out. So, that's the thing. I've really seen them now really move the ball. Uh, even they, they had Braxton do a, a cross screen, down screen action. Jericho's been involved in that, that kind of cross screen, down screen action. They're doing a lot of uh, roll replace. So DJ and Manny are setting the, the, the roll up high. And so the other big, if, if DJ's in the game or Jericho's in the game, Manny will roll. And then the uh, other foreman or whatever will come high so they're doing a lot of action that you know just makes defensives think a little bit more and especially in today's day and age and I think the the one the game that really bothered me was just the Florida State game just because they're so big and they switch everything it's very hard to get you know a you know switch or create a matchup problem because they're so athletic but at the same time <clears throat> it's Florida State they're it's the one team I'd the one team I don't want to see. So. No, I don't think there were a lot of, you know, kind of, I remember Joe Gillio was talking about how you had to pull for UNC to NC State to be the 8-9 seed. Yep. At the time, Florida State looked like they were going to be the one seed because who thought they were going to lose to Notre Dame? <laughs> you really want to be that 8-9 seed playing Florida State? Yeah, I can tell you. It's the one thing I keep – uh, I've been telling everybody, you know, even the ones that are still kind of down on NC State, I keep telling them, I'm like, listen, there are a lot of teams in the ACC right now that aren't great. Right. You can literally beat any team. For granted, I don't want to see Florida State. That They left a very bad taste in my mouth. I don't want to see them. But Virginia does not scare me. I think if you can play a good game and knock down some shots – that game becomes just a normal game. They right. they're not they're not the team that they that they were where they could you know really re, uh, create havoc on the de defensive end, really pack it in, and then close out because they have you know 
uh, some athletes at the two, three, four position. That's just not the same Virginia team. So they don't, they don't scare me as much. Uh, Virginia Tech's an interesting team, but they're at the bottom of the bracket. So, I mean, we won't see them till, uh, and I think that's just the weird part about the ACC this year is there's, there's so many opportunities there, but at the same time, you have to understand you could lose on any night. That's right. And, and, and it was the same, I don't want to say it was the same, but it's the same way in the, in the sense that when I was playing, you know, the worst team could always beat the best team, but the difference is. Carolina was always, you know, a four-loss, five-loss team. Duke was always a four-loss, five-loss team. Uh, it was just a little different because you knew they were going to be at the top. They were going to be one, two, three. You had teams that were going to be one, two, three. I'm trying to think who the other team. Virginia was – they were just becoming good with Joe Harris and them right. really starting to kind of create what they wanted there. Uh, okay, back then, right? Maryland. Yeah. Maryland yeah I mean but there was just there you always had like that top four you could pretty much flip a coin and they would juggle this right. year you have no idea what's gonna happen you know what too I, I actually think Georgia Tech might be this the sleeper team and I think <clears> they got the best starting five and I think they're the five seed or maybe the four seed I, I yep. so you're, you're right I mean it could be it could be a number of teams Clemson can make it really ugly on every team they play and yeah ugly their way to a title so well but at, the, at the flip side like you said you could lose that first any team could lose that yep. we just yep. talked about state lose at Notre Dame so literally any team could lose it's that time of year again folks conference tournaments are tipping off bubble teams are making their final push for a bid while the best teams in the country are gearing up for a deep run auto bids will be punched slippers will be fit and our partners at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook, are putting our listeners at the center of the action. If you bet $4 on an underdog in a select game this week, and that underdog wins, you win $256. That's right, $256. Here's how it works. Download the app now and use promo code FIELD68 when you sign up. Scroll through the select list of underdogs, bet $4 on them to win, and cash $256 when they do. There's no better way for you to put your college hoops knowledge to use than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. It's safe, it's secure, it's reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So remember, that's code FIELD68. That's Field 6-8 to turn $4 into $256. For a limited time only, must be 21 years or older. Restrictions apply. Go to DraftKings.com for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. But kind of going into the next, the next phase of the ACC tournament, let's actually kind of talk about this, this matchup with, with the Orangemen. Obviously, we've seen them twice. We played them, I would say, the first game we played them really well. That game we probably should have ended up pulling out. Second game we kind of let things get away from us, uh, you know, late in the second half. Kind of talk on that and what can we kind of expect, you know, from that game and what we should expect from a matchup standpoint. Yeah, that's interesting because of the 2-3 zone. You would think NC State had the ideal guy with Jericho Hellams, right, in the yeah. middle Jones and even Thunderbolt can hit the 15 footer. 
being in the middle of that zone. You know, it's interesting. That first game where they should have won, Sheebron played a lot of minutes. Yeah. Well, that game. He did not play as much that second game. And I kind of wonder if the length of Sheebron, you know, might be a bit of a difference. Yeah. There's opportunities to rebound in the zone. He's a great rebounder, as we saw last game out. Um, and so I kind of wonder if that might be an interesting, you know, little matchup to watch there. He might be able to yeah. – def- they got their big guards, Syracuse does, and uh, he might be able to defend them a little bit better. But it is an interesting matchup. Uh, it's hard to beat a team three times yeah. in one year, too. Yeah. <laughs> You have to like that, that going for NC State. But, you know, Syracuse is fighting for their bubble life as well. Uh, you know, they'll be motivated and it could go either way. I think Ken Palm has it a one point game. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I mean, yeah, that it, it will be interesting. I think the one thing, um, and, and you mentioned it with Sebron, uh, we've got on the locker room app for the, I think it was the second game. Right. And, 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 and the, Someone asked on there, they said, they said, do you see Sebron getting a lot of minutes, you know, because he's maybe not necessarily the, the best shooter, this and that. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I mean, you don't have to have great shooters to beat his own. The way I look at it is he's got to find a way to get himself in involved some way. And, you know, that's crashing the glass in a zone. They don't necessarily rebound great. So, you know, on a miss, you can run down a rebound. And then on top of it, you got to think from a defensive standpoint, he, he can switch. He's very similar to Jericho in a way that he could switch, you know, one through four. And they've proven that they can even guard the five at times right. uh, and hold their own. So he he could be one of those guys that even if, you know, he doesn't necessarily shoot the leather off the ball, he can really create stuff it, with, with his high motor and just kind of run down some offensive rebounds and create extra possessions. Because to me, if you can create three extra possessions in a game. I like the odds to get at least one basket out of it, which doesn't necessarily count for his points, but he's also creating, you know, points for us. But two, the one thing that I, I did notice in the, in the second game that has, you know, kind of scares me is we, I love my guy, Manny Bates. So I don't want anybody to take this the wrong way. We really, his catches need to happen very, very short corner. So when the ball goes middle and he starts to, dive off the short corners off the baseline we want those almost to be for dunks we really need to not put him in a tough spot because i feel like we put him in a tough spot at times where we threw it to him in the short corner and that's where they trap and so now they're trapping and jericho's diving off of the elbow and yeah the other guys coming across jericho sometimes open there real quick but it's a he has to make a very quick decision there and that's a player that I don't want to have to make that decision. You know, DJ may be a little bit better at it, but I feel like him being 15 feet from the basket, that's a tough de- decision for, you know, a 6'11", 7-footer that's got to make a cross-court pass or something to hit an open man. So that's one thing that I, I hope that they're kind of a little bit more cautious on is really hitting him there because I think he had a couple, two or three turnovers that he just kind of got in a tough spot and had to make a tough pass. You just reminded me. I think that second game was kind of the first of those back-to-back really terrible turnovers yep. games. And you're right. I think Bates had about three of those turnovers. And I think Syracuse was almost baiting into, yeah. into that. Yeah, like you talked about, you know, Helen were cut down from the elbow. I think Syracuse was almost baiting them into, into that pass, and they would step in the passing lane and get the steal. 
Yeah, and then another thing popped in my mind. I don't know how. I'm, <laughs> I, I remember. I just remember watching the game, and now all of a sudden I'm remembering everything. Yeah. But uh, out of bounds, underneath, we had two. I think it was back to back turnovers when the ball was taken out underneath, yeah. and it didn't really look like we ran anything. So hopefully we run something this time. And honestly, worst case scenario, just send someone back, get yeah. the ball in bounds, and give yourself a chance. I always, I tell. Even kids that I'll I'll be around that are that I, that I may work out or something, I tell them I'm like, listen, if you turn the ball over, that's a chance you don't get to score. You got to at least give yourself a chance to get the the ball up on the basket, and you never know that could lead to you know a whole another possession if you get an offensive rebound. So you got to give yourself a chance, and that's one thing we struggled at was that you know out of bounds underneath because we didn't give ourselves a whole lot of chances. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and the other thing I remember about those games is Alan Griffin seemed to have a hard time defending. Alan, yeah. Griffin. Yeah, he yeah. you know that's the hard part about Syracuse. They got a couple of guys in Bayheim and Griffin. If they're making shots, they become really hard. Yep, yep. And I and, um, by no means that Syracuse is a solid team. I not. Uh, I mean, I think I, I really like our odds against them. I think especially if we can get the ball in the paint to Jericho consistently and really let him make plays just he's got to make quick plays but just right. make plays off of it and really limit the turnovers because I mean my whole philosophy when, when when teams play zone for granted Syracuse has been doing it for years so they're great at it there's no reason in a zone you know you should have 15 16 turnovers you got to take care of the ball that number needs to be down by eight nine at the right. you know and just give yourself possessions I mean, you got what is it? It's down to 30 second shot clock now. Is that what yep. it is? Yep. 30 second shot clock. So just kind of take your time, get the ball in the zone, make good passes. And then when you get a shot, you got to take it. Don't second guess a shot. Just get it up on the rim. So let's let's say we we beat Syracuse. Right. We get Virginia. This is where some hypotheticals come in. Now we're getting, I know some people are saying we're on the bubble. I don't know if we're necessarily on the bubble yet. Uh, I'd say we're kind of on the outside of the bubble. Um, you got you got Virginia next. So say we beat Virginia. Right. Are we in the bubble? Are we just inside the bubble? Like, wh- wh- what does it look like then? Well, see, yeah, this is where JC would have a good time because he always calls me. You know, he, he makes fun of my bracketology. <laughs> Nerdism, if you will. Why? Because it's not yellow page form? No, I'm not yellow page form. I'm a nice <laughs> I'm a uh, nice classic voice <laughs> or whatever. But uh, first of all, bracketology is not hard, right? I, I don't yeah. see people get paid all this money. I mean, it's really easy to do. You're really arguing about three or four teams. Yeah, I think NC State, if they win those two, this is where Virginia Tech hurts. Yeah. I had Virginia Tech and you win that game. Then the combination of beating Syracuse and Virginia would put you squarely on the bubble. Yeah. But by losing Virginia Tech, I think if you pulled off that double, depending on what happened elsewhere, you're probably now in the conversation where you're going into that semifinal game and people are saying if they win this game, they might be on the verge of stealing a bid from another team. Yeah. Type of deal. So. That's why I think losing Virginia Tech hurts. They still only have one quad one game. One quad one And if you beat Syracuse, they're 49 in the net. Yeah. Top 50 is a quad one on a neutral court. So if you beat Syracuse, 
are they going to stay top 50? Or they yeah. going to drop away? And then so you could still theoretically be like one or two quad one wins. Yeah, that's just hard. That's why I, I think realistically, if you win those first two, you're putting a whole lot of pressure on that. You put a spotlight on yourself. Yeah. Going into the semifinal, but maybe not quite yet on the bubble. Yeah. And that's where I, I've been kind of, because my first, I said it probably about a week and a half ago. I said, assuming we went out, which would have been with Virginia Tech, I said, I said, two games in the ACC tournament puts you right there. Yeah. Like maybe not in, maybe not out, but at least you're there. Now you're in a conversation. Um, and kind of looking at it now, uh, I think it's more, you got to get Virginia, which I think is doable. For granted, you got you to win your first game. I think it's doable. We've done it. We played them. Coach Keats has always played Virginia very, very well. So you get that one. And then logically in my mind is if you can beat the one seed, now you can beat Virginia Tech is what, a four or five? I think they're the three. So I think you would play Georgia Tech or Clemson. Oh, yep, yep. So then you got that. Um, I don't even – did we play Tech this year? No, Georgia Tech was one of the games. Yeah, see, so we didn't even play Tech. So it'll be new for for both teams, and I feel like that kind of is going to play to our advantage. Obviously, it's in Greensboro. It's kind of in our backyard a little bit. So uh, that that becomes interesting. But my whole philosophy is, man, if you get through Virginia, why not just win it all? (laughs) I mean – you're right there. I mean, obviously, you got Florida State to contend with. But, again, it just comes down to the to the same thing in that this ACC, anybody's beatable. And we're hot right now. If you can stay hot and get those two, you might as well just roll just roll with it and, and don't look at it as, oh, if we win this one, we'll be on the bubble. You might as well just go in with the mindset, hey, I'm packing – you know, eight days of clothes. I don't know how many it is now with the, with this with this bracket since they got more teams now. But I'm I'm taking eight days of clothes and I'm trying to win it all. Well, you know better than me. How how much is fatigue a factor at that point? I mean, it's it's big, but at the same time, I mean, even after after a game, because I love this style. I there there was nothing better. I, I shot some of my best games in, in the Greensboro Coliseum. I absolutely loved this. Yeah. That you do get tired. There's there's no question about it. But at the same time, they got a twelve o'clock game, so that you know they finish their game. They'll be back around two thirty. Okay, they have they'll have a masseuse there. They'll have all their trainers there. They'll have ice baths. They'll have access to whatever they want. It'll basically be a fresh start. A lot of coaches, you know, I don't know what time the next game will be against Virginia. Do you know the starting time? That would be noon. So, okay, so it's you got a noon noon game there. I'm getting a call from my sister-in-law. Sorry. Uh, you got a noon game there, so you don't really gain too much of an advantage, but you're probably not going to have a walkthrough. So probably what you're going to do is you'll probably, uh, after your dinner session, you'll just do some quick video work. You, you know, you've played them already once. you played them good, so you'll just kind of go through that, some things you can do better. Uh, so you won't have a shoot-around in the morning. So you wake up probably around 9 o'clock. 10 o'clock, you're heading over to the gym, maybe even heading over at 930 uh, to get started. But it's it's just completely different. There's And the one thing I will say that, that's got me a little bit thinking, you know, fatigue has never gotten to me, but I'm also can feed off the crowd. There's a different energy at the ACC tournament when you start coming through that tunnel and, you know, 
it's not all NC State red, but it's a lot of NC State red. Then you have Duke, you got Carolina. Everybody's coming to watch these games. They may not be polling for you, but everybody's there. It just has a different energy. Uh, so that's one thing that could really, you know, when I may have been fatigued, it kind of picked me up and was like, hey, this is the ACC tournament. This is one of the, the biggest and best, best tournaments you can be involved in. And that's one thing that may kind of scare me is that maybe that, you know, excitement they don't get that feel and then it may kind of play into to that a little bit yeah i got one quick story and then one quick thought i remember i think it was your freshman year we went to shoot around <laughs> the day before the acc tournament started and jc and i were just kind of talking in the corner and you were there shooting three pointers and you turned to us and said how many have i made in a row <laughs> We weren't really paying attention, so then we started <laughs> watching, and then you proceeded to make like six or seven and more in a row. And then the next day, I think you played Florida State. Yeah, I think you made six. What did you make? Six three pointers. This probably, probably. Then I got to tell you, you obviously love shooting in Greensboro. Um, uh, there was nothing better. And the weird part was, I the uh, they use a Spalding ball, which is a ball nobody in the ACC uses. It's the only time they use that ACC Spalding ball, and I hated that ball. Oh, really? It felt so hard. It was uh, very comparable to the Under Armour ball. I know everybody loves you know making fun of me for the Under Armour ball, but it, it was very comparable to that. And I never really liked it. But now, if I could get my hands on it, I just want to shoot with it one more time. That. <laughs> I, 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 for some reason, when I got a hold of it in, in a game, all of a sudden it was my favorite ball. Right. Well, well also, you know, they hadn't played in front of fan, fans all year long. And so yeah. a small crowd yep. in Greensboro. So for them, that small crowd may feel like. Yeah, that's true. You know, just having maybe a thousand NC State fans at a game may feel like we'll talk about the women in a second my co-worker justin went there he's he said it felt like a championship game environment yeah second it wasn't really but he's so used to nobody being there yeah in a reaction to a shot made with a couple of seconds to go made it feel like you were in a in an actual tournament environment so they may be able to play off of that yeah, and that's and that's the thing. Because my logic is, you know, when you are tired, you know, obviously you have your trainers and stuff that you know maybe you start to feel a little bit fresh. But also, when you can feed off that, when you can really, you kind of forget about, you know, the bruises, the bumps, the yeah. all that. It's just forty minutes, whatever I can give right now. Yeah. So hopefully that 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 works out. So let's kind of. <clears throat> Move on now. Let's let's talk a little bit about the, the NC State women's. It's been a it's been a big you know topic that people have been wanting me to talk about the NC State women's on my podcast for a little bit now. So we're gonna we're gonna give them their their shout out. I know uh, Coach Westmore lives in my community, so uh, I got I got to get him get get them talking about it a little bit. But how about that game? I mean, I, I was sitting at Sammy's the. the I mean, even at half capacity at, at Sammy's, I mean, people were going crazy. It was just, it was so fun to watch. I mean, it, it, it had a moment there where it was like, okay, we got to really pick it up. But again, just coming in the clutch, you know, making shots, getting stops when they needed it. Kind of talk about the, the, the women's team there and, and, and what you got from that game. Yeah, it proved that getting Raina Perez in the offseason 
obviously with <laughs> what, what its weight and goal, but she really went the difference on this team. I mean, now you have a bona fide point guard. Yep. That was kind of the million dollar question mark is could somebody step up at point guard? And uh, obviously she made this huge shot there at the end of the game, but you know, I was talking to a buddy of mine who just says, when you have Wes Moore, you always feel like you have a chance to win the game. And because they're so well prepared and they, they just, you know, it's something about the way they, they, they're prepared and ready to play and, and yep. the development of the players. Um, I don't know about you, but in my world, if you beat Louisville twice, you went to South Carolina and beat them on their home court, you haven't beaten any of these teams on your home court. Yeah, you know your two losses. One was without your best player. Yeah, on the road against an NCAA tournament team. The other was a fluky game where Carolina made like eighteen three pointers or some ridiculous amount of shots on their home court. It would seem to me that would clinch the number one seed. Yeah, she stays. I'm a little <laughs> surprised it's still up for debate. I mean. I don't know about you, but I'll know on the men's side that we wouldn't have a debate right now. That's the number one seed. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it's, it's all goofy. I don't even know what they're trying to look at. It's just logically you have two lo- a two-loss team. Okay, they've got two losses, maybe more than, you know, a one-loss team or, or whatever. But logic just says they literally just beat – Louisville's going to end up being probably a two seed, three at worst. Uh, so, so you beat them. One, and one, the first time you beat them, they were number one in the country, correct? And you beat them by double digits, too. Yeah, they were number okay. one. You beat them by handedly. So when you valued them at number one, they, they got whooped on their court. And then on top of it, you go to beat the team that you thought was number one from the very start of it on their court. Yeah. You know, it to me, logically, it just it makes sense. There, there's and I keep seeing all the two seeds, two seed, two seed. But there, I, honestly, I don't know how they can't make them a one seed. I, I don't know if they're just hyping this thing up. But the one thing I can say is if they make them a two seed, it's just more they have to work for. It's just proof that nobody's bought into the NC State women's program. They don't respect the program. And to me as a player and as a coach, I would just look at my team and be like, what you've done doesn't matter. Clearly, it doesn't matter. Nobody is believing in you. So you got your back against the walls. The only thing you can do is go out each and every night and just, you know, step on somebody's throat. <laughs> and, you know, if you watch this team, I encourage anybody to watch. These girls are so they, – they put in their effort every single time. Yeah. You're never going to get a lack of effort from them. And as you saw from the title game, it's really fun to watch. Yeah. How they play. Uh, they play such great defense. Um, I think they have the best starting five. Now, I, granted, I don't know Connecticut as well, but I've seen them play South Carolina. I've seen them play Louisville. I would put yeah. their starting five against those two teams at a minimum. Um, yeah, I think they got a real shot. And, you know, with the tournament <laughs> being played in Texas this year, one seed, two seed, I'm not sure how big of a difference that yeah. makes. Ultimately, you're going to have to play each other to get to the final four. Yeah. On a neutral court. But I do think it's a respect thing. I think these girls have earned, you know, these women have earned this respect to be a one seed. And they're an elite program right now. And 
And I think there's a lot of pride to be taken in that if you're <clears> an <throat> NC State fan. Well, and, and it's – I hate to say it, but the one thing I've learned, especially <clears throat> throughout professional sports and even with my quick stint in the NBA, a lot of it does come down to politics. It's, you know, it's just like, uh, you know, you really going to put UConn if they're really close to being a two-seed, a two-seed. It's just <clears throat> they've, they've, they've got so much respect for, for Coach Gino and all that other stuff going on and, uh, that, you know, that's sometimes how it works. But at the same time, uh, you know, we may not get respect right now, but if we're holding up a big trophy at the end, uh, uh, you best believe that they, they'll be getting some respect then. Yeah, and how exciting is that? Just <clears throat> openly talking about that and not like being in a fantasy world of, you know, you know, right? uh, hey, I'm a straight shit. That the one thing everybody's learned. I'm a straight shit. I don't hold nothing back. Right. I, I, it, it, I've seen it all. So I, the, listen, they ask a question, I'm gonna answer it. It may not be the nicest answer, but I, <laughs> I, I'm gonna give it to you. And and a lot of it's politics. And guess what? It it's easy to get mad about it, but it's also easy to kind of have that chip on your shoulder and say, you know what? <clears throat> they can't be politics once I step on the court with some of these teams. So yeah. uh, hopefully uh, <clears throat> that's their mindset. And I'm sure it is like it's been the whole year. So to me, they're going to get the respect. It's just a matter of time. So I mean, the, big, the biggest thing too is they've proven to themselves they can do this. Yeah. Yeah. They and, they've beat, yeah. and when you beat the best teams in the country or who they label as the best teams in the country, you know, you can beat anybody. Right. And it's like you kind of said, the two games they lost, okay, UNC got crazy hot. It happens from time to time. It's not going to happen every game. It's going to, you know, from time to time it happens. But, I mean, really, they, they've they been right there. They, I mean, they're so close to going undefeated. I mean, they're, you know, a couple misses away, a couple defensive stops away. It's not like, you know, they're getting beat by 30, got beat by 31 game. It's just games that they've been in, tight games that they've had opportunities that, you know, Sometimes you just sometimes you got pat you know a team on the back and say hey, Great what can I do? So, but all right, well that's my my women's NC State spill. So uh, I I hope they keep playing as well as they have been. I know uh, the buzz about them is is crazy. I can't get on anything without seeing something about you know the NC State women's team. So uh, hopefully they can they can make a a really, really, really long run in the tournament, which I think a lot of us, you know, have that confidence they will. So let's kind of get into to the recruits a little bit. Let's talk about some recruits. This isn't something that I I pride myself on being, you know, really knowledgeable about. I've, I, you know, I've, I have, you know, heard about a lot of them. Uh, I feel like I'll butcher the names if I even start trying to say some of them. Um, you want me to say it for you? Yeah. Kerquavion. To Quavion, all right, that's the one, the other one I know because he played he played Breon in the in the in the playoff game. Yep. And then we got Breon Pass. We yep. got one guy, Ernest Ross. That's right. He's from, from Florida. Florida. That's right. I watched one of his games the other day. Another another very very talented guy. Who else we got? Is it just three? That's it right now. All right, that's a great class. So kind of touch on each one of them and just kind of talk about. Obviously, you know, you got this team and you kind of have an idea of who's going to come back on this team. How do you see them integrating, you know, into the future NC State team? I think the guards are really good fits. Now, I had not seen Ross in person because of the <laughs> pandemic and he's in Florida. Uh, you know, he's probably the most highly touted of the three. 
Yeah. I, I had not seen him in person, but I went to the Bouillon Pass versus the Quavion Smith uh, game. And, you know, to Quavion just, you know, he got no fear, right? Yeah. Like, he, he didn't, he, he, in his mind, he knows he belongs <laughs> on that court. Uh, he knows he's the best player on the court. Uh, he loved interacting with the crowd. It was at Reedsville High, so he was the road team, and he was having a blast, you know, going back and forth with the students at Reedsville. <laughs> so, you know, he's not shy about shooting it. You know, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of an Al Freeman from a few years ago. Yeah. In state. Maybe more in a Markel Johnson-type body. Yeah. Uh, but he might be more of a shooting guard version of Markel Johnson. Okay. <laughs> Breon just has an it factor to him. Yeah, he just whatever he does, he does extremely well. I mean, he averages over 30 points a game. He averaged a double double with rebounds. And then, you know, this past Friday, he went on the football field, played the defending state champion, and he caught seven passes for 100 yards and a touchdown and intercepted a pass. He's <laughs> one of those guys that whatever he does, he just does it extremely well. You know, yeah. Um, but what I love about him is a great shooter. I mean, mm -hmm. the shot is pure. It doesn't hit rim when it goes in. He made two three-pointers while being fouled to Quavion. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, we know that Kevin Keats likes shooters. You know, Breon can fit there, and Quavion fits with the up and down. You know, the Farmville's playing style is very similar to what NC State likes to do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he should be able to come right in and be comfortable. Yeah, I don't know how much playing time is going to be available next year with, with Cam Hayes and Shaquille Moore and all those guys back. Yeah. But, you know, they got some really good young guards. And I think they're all kind of their three- to four-year players. Yeah. That, that, that will be older, good guards down the road. Yeah. And that, that, <clears throat> I think uh, from what I've seen out of them, I think they're all all highly skilled, highly talented they're going to really mix and match, uh, match with, with, with what we got going on there. Uh, but it's kind of like you said, the only thing that really concerns me is you got a lot of guard heavy up front and, and you're going to have to mix and match them a little bit. But uh, hopefully, and again, another thing that, you know, a lot of people aren't thinking about is I, I'd really like to see, you know, a full preseason, you know, with, with COVID, we didn't have that. So Shaquille and Cam uh, and all the freshmen, Sebron and, and Farrar and all of them, they, they didn't get the, you know, full effect where they could get in the gym early on and really get used to the system and, and this type of thing. So if they're able to get that, I feel like they will already be ahead of what, you know, the previous freshman class was because you've, you've seen where, you know, this class currently kind of hit a wall. You know, they, they got thrown into the AC schedule very, very early, which is not easy for a freshman. And they, you know, they took their lumps a little bit. And now you see they've kind of got their feet wet. Now they're really starting to kind of take off here. So it'll be nice to see if they can get in, you know, earlier and then kind of get the, that real preseason reps in. Uh, they, they can maybe take off and really excel a little bit earlier, especially than what this class did, just because, you know, they didn't have the opportunities. But you mentioned, I think they only really had three or four games, too. Yep. Yeah. And, and usually, too, like, and I don't, I don't know how it exactly was. Like, I, I remember back, I, I, we had practice games against George Washington came down. EC, I played ECU one time. We went and did practice games against 
You know, we stayed there and we do one, one game we play, someone would play zone. The next game we do full court pressure. The next game, I mean, you worked on everything. So you had a feel for it. And I feel like that's something one, you don't really get into when you do do it and you do work on it. Uh, it's against your own players. You kind of, there, there's something to be said about like, listen, I love my guy Stotts battle. He's my guy, but I can literally tell you what he's going to do. I mean, you practice against him for so long and, and you get a feel for these guys. You, you kind of have an idea of what they can do, how you can force them into something. So uh, it does help kind of playing against some other guys and getting that extra, those extra reps. in. so, all right, we, we've got three. They're, they're just kind of goofy. Have fun with them questions. I do it at the, the end of every episode. Uh, so ha- have as much fun as you want. So the first one is, what is your favorite NC State moment? Ah, Lord. Yeah, I've been, when I'm a stu- can I go back to my student days? or just you can, Whenever you want. So, so the next question is more like, during your Wolfpacker days, this question's like whenever. Just as a as a NC State person, when is your favorite moment? Uh, first football game I ever went to was 1998. Okay, I was a student. I was a freshman. Uh, they played Florida State. At that okay. time, Florida State they didn't just beat you. They like that you know they beat you down. They annihilated. They, they will take Clemson now and times it by two. Right? I mean. It was, <laughs> They would win games 70 to 7. They had yeah. lost one ACC game in their entire history of the, being in the ACC at that point. Um, and they just couldn't defend Tory Holt. <laughs> Chris There's a lot of people that couldn't defend Tory Holt, though, in his defense. Yeah. And then Chris Winkie threw six interceptions. Wow. And then we ended up beating uh, Florida State 24 to 7. Back then, they let you on the field get on the goalpost, take down the goalpost, and then you would carry it out to stadium and start going down uh, Hillsborough Street. No, was it West? No, Hillsborough. Yeah, Hillsborough Street. Um, so that was my first really big party. Yeah. Hey, you know, where, so that kind of always stuck out to me. That, that, yeah. That, I, that's, that's a good one. Anytime you can carry a goalpost down Hillsborough, something, something good's I, happening. I, we could say I, that. I fell off the goalpost, so let me tell you. That hurt <laughs> That's a bigger it's, fall than you might think. It's out. only a 10-foot drop, man. Yeah, no, and you don't feel it till the next morning. Right? <laughs> All that adrenaline. Yeah. Maybe maybe some other substance. Yeah, then I'll plead the fifth on that part. But <laughs> that next morning, you're rolling out of bed, and you're like, God dang, why, why did my butt hurt so much right now? <laughs> oh, yeah, I fell off a goalpost. <laughs> All right, so the second question is your favorite quote during an interview that you've had. Uh, some of them I'm not sure I'm allowed to say. That's uh, fine. Well, we're PG. We, we we have a producer. Image Entry is great. We'll give a shout out to Image Entry. We, we got a producer. We need to bleep anything out. We, we're more than capable. It was usually Richard Howe. It would probably involve Richard Howe. <laughs> so you got Richard to talk. That's even better. So I want to hear one of these. I, I can't remember off the top of my head what he said, but it would be basically... There was no filter, right? Yeah. And so if, if we, you know, if it was a bad game or something like that, if y'all lost a tough game, <laughs> he would literally say stuff like, we need to get our shit together. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Or, you know, I'm not going to fucking put up with this 
<laughs> I can't use any of this. That's mind. all right. That's but that's great, dude. Yeah, so that, that's exactly how Richard is, though. So shout out to Richard because I think he, uh, if he did hasn't yet, I know he's he's back. He's finishing his degree and he's, he's he just graduated, I think. So uh, congrats to him. I know I talked with Lorenzo the other day. Lorenzo's doing the same thing. He's in the process of taking some classes online and, and finishing up. So. Uh, yeah, Rich, Richard's one of those. At least you got some words out of him. You you can't use any of them, but at least you got some words out of him. Yeah, that was his, at the end of his career, his senior year. You know, y'all kind of had those ups and downs that yep. year. And uh, he became the guy. I mean, it was like him. You and you and Richard were the only two guys they would consistently bring out <laughs> out of the locker room, you know, to, to talk to the media. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, those, the good old days right there, going over to the, uh, the visitor hockey locker room and yep. yeah, giving you our best. So, all right, this this is the one everybody gets, former players, media, everybody gets this one. So, favorite place to eat on or around campus? I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to do a tally and go back through all these and, and do, do the tally and find out, you know, what place gets – gets the most and maybe see if I can't have them as a sponsor or something. So your, your number one place to eat on or near campus. You know, I'm old school. So media is always, I mean, the, the meat lasagna at a media is undefeated. Plus you get yeah. a basket of bread. You know, I, I could gain five pounds <laughs> down at a media. Um, so that was probably yeah, – there was a pizza place when I was a student there. It's not there anymore. I'm trying to remember what it's called. It might have been Two Guys or Two Brothers or something like that. Uh-huh. That was really good. But I would say Amedios. I mean, yeah, Amedios is a safe safe choice. We've had that as probably our third maybe, third time. I think uh, I think Terry Gannon went with Amedios. Um, I'm going to say we had one other person on here that, that said Amedios. But uh, – Again, everybody, uh, that concludes Scott Woods, One Man Wolfpack. I, I appreciate everybody listening. As always, Matt Carter from the Wolfpacker. Thank you for having us. Hopefully, NC State can pull. I hope NC State can pull out this uh, this win against Syracuse and, and and get this one against Virginia, so we can really start stirring up this uh, this bubble pot a little bit. But please, everybody, like, subscribe, all that all that fun stuff. Uh, Matt, again, thank you. Appreciate you coming on and uh, and go pack.